Hello everyone and welcome to New Narrative's Political Agenda. This week on New Narrative, we've had some awesome articles. We've got a podcast interview with two of Thailand's protesters who are risking their lives fighting for democracy in Thailand. This was created in collaboration with Pracha Thai, an independent non-profit news organization based in Bangkok. We've got a comic in Burmese, our first Burmese piece, on the recent tragic jade mining disaster in Myanmar. We've got an article on attempts to eliminate rabies in Cambodia and an article on police violence in Malaysia. A smorgasbord of content on important issues from around Southeast Asia. Check it out. And if you like what you see, please do join us as a member at newnarrative.com join or donate at newnarrative.com donate. This week, we welcome Sean Francis Han, the editor-in-chief of Wake Up Singapore. Those of you who watched my interviews during the Singapore general elections will remember Sean from the two roundtables we had, along with Janet Chong. Wake Up Singapore builds itself as a community of young activists looking to bring alternative voices to the major issues in Singapore and around the world who are advocates for reform and social justice. You can find it online, on Facebook and on Instagram. It was founded in 2013, but recently has taken a far more progressive stance under Sean's leadership, and it's rapidly grown in the last year. In particular, I really like the use of memes for political education. I, something I really enjoy, and I think they do really well. Link in the show notes, do check them out. I invited Sean to talk about Wake Up Singapore, and in part two next week, we'll talk about an interesting survey that they did on political attitudes among their audience. Enjoy. Thanks for joining us today, Sean. Hi, hi. Yeah, thanks um, for let's, let's just get started then. Yeah. So, Wake Up Singapore. Yeah. What is it? So, wow, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm quite glad to say that it's not like a, a, a thing, right? Um, it's really just, it was founded in 2013 by a bunch of young kids who were very engaged in politics, uh, who met at the Hong Lim Park speeches and demonstrations. Um, and it kind of just grew from there. So right now, I think most people know us as that Facebook page that shares a lot of memes. Um, but we have um, an Instagram as well, which has 70,000 likes. I actually um, know you primarily from Instagram. Oh, that's great. Okay. <laughs> because the Instagram is new and it's where we were able to kind of test out this new direction that we were going on. Right. Um, so, you know, on Facebook, we've managed to accrue something like 100,000, 110,000 likes there. And wow. that was that was what we started with. Right. So um, I think another thing that, that people often... Uh, a sort of misconception that people have about institutions in general is that, you know, they're monolith, right? Um, and that's really not the case with Wake Up Singapore. We've gone through like so many changes in management, so many changes in team, and the direction is always very different. So, so the direction that we had in the past was, I think, a bit more, uh, you could say, pragmatic. We were kind of interested in kind of like stoking maybe anti-state, very pro-opposition sentiment. Whereas now we've moved towards more issues of like social justice, um, education, re-education, 
um, things like that, presenting alternative ideas, trying to make theory accessible, doing surveys and things like that. So that's sort of the new direction that we're in because of the new team members that we've got in and because of the experimentation that we did with the Instagram platform. So that's sort of our new, that's our new face. The logo is the same, but we've got like a new branding kind of thing. So when, when did you come on board? So I came on board actually quite a while ago. I came on board the last, the election before the last. So that would have been 2016. Okay, 20, yeah. 2015. 2015, last election, yeah. 2015. Okay. So you've been with them five years. Yeah. Um, and, but that was sort of two years after it started. So you, did you take over from the founders or did you work with the founders initially? So I worked with the founders initially and then they left because of their own uh, personal projects. Right. So people just keep coming in and out of it and it keeps changing um, uh, in part because of the people who come in and who shape the page. Yeah. Okay, okay. So um, that's, you've been around a lot longer than I, than I expected then because I, I, don't, I don't really remember Wake Up Singapore from more than a couple of years ago. So I guess maybe I didn't, it, it didn't come on my radar maybe. But, um, and is this, this is, is it a, like a, when you say a group, is this um, of all volunteers? Uh, is there anyone getting paid? You know, are you guys actually making money from this in order to pay your employees? Mm -hmm. No, so it's like a small team of four to five people. I think the core team is maybe three to four. Then we have a bunch of volunteers here and there or like old members um, who kind of stick around and then they do a little bit here and there. Um, unfortunately, none of us gets paid. <laughs> none of us gets paid at all. We make like maybe... 50, 60 bucks every couple of months from ad revenue because we have a website right. um, where we put up articles uh, and things like that. Um, but yeah, we don't, we don't get paid. And I think, and that's been a conscious decision as well. We, we didn't want to sort of compromise our objectivity or compromise our programming by doing like sponsored ads or having any sort of affiliation with any, you know, financial parties or whatever yeah so that's the thing right how do you maintain uh and ensure that these sort of organizations are sustainable mm -hmm. when no one's getting paid and you're not making any revenue to pay people i mean when i started new narrative one of the things that i strongly believed is that people have to get paid if you're going to make this into a sustainable long-term proposition mm -hmm. right you can't like live off people's goodwill and just constantly shuffle in and uh, in you know volunteers all the time mm -hmm. and particularly for you know if you want to sustain things over the long term and have a vision that can be sustained over years you need to pay people to do it that's why bureaucracies are so powerful mm -hmm. it's not just that they exist but they, they are paid to and and therefore um people in it have a financial stake in maintaining its existence mm -hmm. uh so for better or worse right bureaucracies are very good at sustaining themselves mm -hmm. so you know you guys have lasted seven years which i feel like is a lifetime in the 
in the internet era mm-hmm. and you're still going strong and you're, you're arguably doing better than ever but how are you going to sustain it? There are I mean we're talking about ways that we can try and become sustainable but it's going to be very slow and very careful so things like maybe um, merchandise or like some kind of paid content or uh, getting deeper into our uh, web web page, right? But right now, um, I think everybody's a bit, you know, we're not really very anxious to get that done because there have been advantages to the structure or lack of structure that we have, right? So our team members are all very young, right? I think the youngest team member we have is maybe 18. And then I think I would be the oldest, 25, 26 would be the oldest, yeah. So um, so I think, yeah, we are tapping on this reservoir of like teenage, <laughs> young adult um, passion, right? That, um, you know, it, it's quite a, it, it's something that I think you can, you can really tap on, right? Because when I was, when I was young and when I was first starting out at Wake Up Simple, I didn't, I didn't care about the money, right? I just wanted to to get out there and help in whatever way I could. I was just angry about the way that things were and the way everything was set up. It was just horrifying. So I just put all of my energy and effort into that. So um, so that's been great, you know, um, just having this very unstructured, um, very passion-driven team of people, Yeah. I hope it lasts in the long run. I well, mean, yeah, that's the obvious <laughs> question, right? Because like uh, you're you're all eighteen to twenty five, yeah. But eventually, you're going to need to support yourselves in some way. Mm-hmm. And in in a lot of societies, being an activist is a full time job, mm-hmm. you know. And activist organizations are routinely subsidized by the state, mm-hmm. by private foundations, by corporations who understand the importance of. Um, civil rights organizations, activist groups, and organizations, you know, an organization like yourself with mm-hmm. such, it's very lean, low cost, uh, a, a big media conglomerate even might simply buy you up, pay your staff to create content mm-hmm. because they know then it would benefit the rest of the, the group, the media group or something. You know, there's plenty of sustainable models in countries with free and vibrant uh, societies uh, free media, you know, places where there's freedom of expression and a, a, a thriving in, a media scene mm-hmm. um, and places where governments recognize the value of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But in Singapore, because we live in ultra neoliberal capitalist, you know, paradise, mm-hmm. uh, if, you, if you can't make something pay for itself, it's uh, regarded as not worth existing and the pressures of uh, wage labor is how the government also forces us to conform to their system mm-hmm. of social discipline. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I, it's, it's a bit of an unfair question, but what, what are you going to do, you know, when uh, your team have to start getting jobs uh, to, to su- support themselves? Like like mm-hmm. your founders, they moved on to other projects. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming some of those projects were actual paying jobs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think in a way there is a bit of an advantage there as well in that that mm-hmm. stops anybody from being 
involved with Wake Up Singapore uh, in a central way for too long, right? So we keep getting mm. fresh blood. Okay. And then uh, the founders or the, the, the core members, they kind of take a back seat and then they kind of supervise. They're like, this is what we've learned um, in our various roles, in our time at Wake Up Singapore, here's how you may want to move things forward. But what I really love about it is that there's this constant change of direction. And I'm very glad with the new change of direction because, um, uh, I mean, I stand for, for, for a more social justice approach. I stand for a more re-educative approach. And it's great that with the new team, with the, with the younger members who are now coming on board, uh, that we are moving in that direction, which was not something that I could have like dreamed of three, four, five years ago. Right. Okay. Yeah. But to play devil's advocate, I suppose. <laughs> the, the, the flip side is you then don't have a coherent product, yep. right? And right now you're doing really well because your approach is uh, it's refreshing. You're bringing a lot of very interesting ideas forward. You're educating people. People are finding out value what you do. Mm -hmm. But say in another two years, you need to, you, you finish your master's, you're going to, you know, you need to actually get a job. Mm -hmm. And so you start taking a step back and then someone new comes in and goes, oh no, let's just do cat photo, you know, cat memes. Mm -hmm. And that's going to drive the clicks up and, and um, you know, or something. And you, you it, the, the quality and the value of, the, of your output decline mm -hmm. accordingly. Yeah. Then what? Mm. I'm not too worried about the cat pick uh, situation. <laughs> I, I think we are, we are. I think number one, we are very adamant um, and very clear to the newcomers that this is a political page first and foremost. These are our core values. This is what we set out to achieve. How you achieve that is up to you. Whether you think it's by pandering to the the opposition parties or at least the more fanatical people on the opposition. Whether you think that is. Um, using re-education, whether you think that's taking a social justice approach, uh, or whether you think that's true memes, or whether you think it's true articles, that's up to you, right? But the f but the fact that we will always be political and always be uh, committed to the task of challenging the dominant narrative, that's always going to be there. And also, if you post cat pictures on our page, it's like the fans will just be like, "Why there are better pages for cats?" <laughs> we'll just leave. So I I think in that sense, we're not too worried. We are seriously looking at sustainability, but then also kind of considering how we can move in that direction without compromising the benefits that we've enjoyed so far. Yeah. And sort of subversion, you're not worried about that because this is something that uh, you've seen in other organizations and most famously aware, of course, mm -hmm. uh, just had uh, a small group of very fanatical people who believed in a very different direction, mm -hmm. uh, let's put it that way, yeah. get themselves voted in and then you know, took, took things in a very different uh, direction. And, and in a worst case, of course, they had rules, they had structures, they could call an EGM. Mm -hmm. But something like Wake Up Singapore, where uh, you, know, you have a Facebook page, you have a web page, you have Instagram, say you as editor-in-chief currently hold ownership of those and then you hand it over to someone and then that person's like, aha, I'm shutting it down or something like that. You're not worried about that sort of thing? I think, for uh, strangely enough, right, it's something that 
crossed my mind once uh, when we looked at the, when we saw the evolution of SMRT feedback. So SMRT feedback is another meme page that began as predominantly opposition and then started posting some really disgusting things in recent years. Um, the, the one that I think affected me the most was when they talked about George Floyd as like a criminal and things like that. Um, so they, they moved in a very horrifying pro-state uh, it, it direction, right? So that is something that you know because they are they are they are they've got they've got funding they've got they've got resources and things like that, right? But they succumb to that a lot faster and a lot quicker than we did. You know, we've managed to avoid that, um, and I'm not sure the reasons. I think maybe one reason is just that Wake Up Singapore is kind of. Uh, built around these networks that we have, right? There's there's a strong group of uh, individuals who are committed to the cause. Um, we see each other at events and functions and talks. Um, and then from there, it, it, it slowly builds, right? So there is this kind of like, almost like a, you know, very informal kind of like kampong spirit. It's not mm -hmm. like, it's not like a bureau, bureaucratic thing, like, oh, you're the person who's going to take over or, or whatever. It's It's like, it's through months and months and years and years of kind of like knowing this person and like wow okay you you have great ideas you have fresh perspectives you are you've been in the scene for so long why don't you come on board yeah all oh, right, right yeah okay so it's um you guys in some ways you have that sort of uh, uh you take a few years to get to know someone mm -hmm. um and uh sort of uh, um, in I don't know audit interview screen them I think is the right yeah word. we have yeah. like this subconscious vetting process yeah so it's just you know you um, so one of the one of the the, the, the members on the team right now is a friend of mine and, and he'd been doing um, political work on the side for like the longest time since he was in JC he's just been constantly pushing out amazing content um, amazing ideas doing his own uh, surveys and things like that. I just it just never reached any audience because he has like 300 friends on Facebook and so I just saw that I was like you're so committed to the cause and you're so great at what you do why don't you just come and do it with us when you get a bigger audience why don't you share it with um, the rest of Singapore so we already know what his direction is because he's been doing this for free to his 300 followers uh, for the last five years and so we, we just thought hey let's let's bring him on right yeah all right yeah. okay so what what what's the goal now? What do you want to achieve with Wake Up Singapore? You're editor in chief yeah. for at least at what another year or two or maybe yeah. more, and then what what do you want to achieve with Wake Up Singapore? I think in this one two years, um, what I really want to achieve, and I have to qualify it. So what I want to achieve, right, is not going to be necessarily what the other members of the team want to achieve, and that's one of the things that I love about working at. Uh, with Wake Up Singapore is that it's it's really not a monolith and everybody has different ideas and they have different goals um, and then we kind of take those disagreements and we stir them up and then we get our final product right which is great because I've been definitely wrong on opinions I've been definitely wrong on strategy uh, in the past and their their ideas have proved right even though in that moment I thought that you know I, I, I definitely know this so um, so yeah, just to qualify, my goals may not be what comes out, right? But they're gonna definitely be, I think, part of that mixing pot, right? Coming to the, to actually answer the question, now, my goal right now is to push um, Wake Up Singapore in a more, um, I think, social justice uh, direction, 
right? So I think that there was a point of time where Wake Up was very uh, keen on pandering to the to to members of the opposition who were uh, more fanatical, to supporters of opposition who were more diehard, um, more you know stoking this anti-state sentiment, right? Uh, and you know there may have been a pragmatic reason for that, but that of course leads to a kind of lack of credibility. We're not pushing out uh, ideas which are necessarily well substantiated. We are not really educating people. We're just stoking emotions. So right now, my goal is to try and push it in the opposite direction, which is let's try and get ideas out there. Let's try and get um, uh, these ideological frameworks out there. Let's try and question things. Let's take a deeper lens. Um, let's try and take some theories which are out there and try and make them simple, put them in some meme formats, put them in a nice graphic. Let's try and get those out there, get discussions going. Um, and then also to just be a loud hailer for like the rest of um, civil society and the rest of uh, the whatever what can be said of the Singaporean left, right? So we have a lot of nice pages coming up right now. Um, there's the whole ecological movement. We're trying to sort of shout them out because we've got a big follow, uh, we've got a big uh, bunch of followers. We want to shout them out. We want to give them that platform um, uh, when, there, when there are nice ideas from individuals, right? A lot of work now is not even uh, being done by institutions anymore or, NG, uh, or NGOs. A lot of work is being done by individuals who just come up with uh, opinion pieces on Instagram, right? Uh, or who come up with their own graphics. And we want to be able to shout those out, right? Um, so yeah, so that's my goal, right? As a loud hailer and then also as a platform to kind of push a more social justice agenda, a more re-educative agenda, yeah. Oh, cool. Awesome. I, I think though that, that it, it really does reflect you as a person. You mm -hmm. know, before we started the podcast, we were talking, you were telling me about uh, your analysis of Kant, right? Yeah. You know, you, you're, uh, you work on uh, literature and the literature of philosophy. So it's, it's not just, um, you, you've got a, you, you, you know, you've got a very specialized field where mm -hmm. you actually engage in deep level textual analysis and explain it. Mm -hmm. And to take this uh, Wake Up Singapore in a direction where you're trying to explain ideas seems to me to be very reflective of your own personality and interests as well, mm -hmm. right? And, and um, I mean, do you think that that's, that's a, a, a major part of it? And um, again, right, someone else who doesn't have your background and interests mm -hmm. um, might be a lot more you know you can see the previous approach and why they they might have chosen to do that your predecessors chosen to do that because it's direct and simpler mm -hmm. but it's also uh in some ways easier to do when they don't have your background in training yes right so in in the future some someone else might come in i suppose they might have a whole new approach that might might really really work mm -hmm. um but I guess my point is a lot of what you're trying to do now seems very intimately tied up with you personally, mm -hmm. which, which is not to say it's a bad thing. I, I yeah. love your approach and I love what you guys are doing. Mm -hmm. um, but it does, for, as someone who'd love to see it continue, mm -hmm. you know, this is, this is the problem and this is something I grapple with new narrative. How do you ensure it continues uh, even after you're gone? Yeah. Right. And we all eventually have to step down. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, 
how, how it's going to continue. Um, well, it's quite promising, though, because now some of the young younger members uh, are also sort of sharing, I think, a general slant in this direction as well. So I'm hoping as they enter into university, as they enter into uh, higher education, they'll continue that, you know, that's my hope. Right. I don't know if they will, uh, but I'm hoping that, that this is going to be a direction that sticks for at least a little while. Yeah. So how, how do you see it working? Do you, I mean, as in um, wh- what impact do you, do you see Wake Up Singapore as have having, mm-hmm. especially, I guess, given the recent elections? Uh, how do you measure your impact? How do you figure out, you know, h- how you're making a difference? Mm-hmm. So... Of course, one of the ways is to look at social media metrics, right? So Facebook does amazing, they churn out amazing reports for you to check out your engagement, uh, number of new likes, unlikes, uh, follows, shares, things like that, right? So that's one way um, of looking at it, right? But I think another way, which is more qualitative, which is more felt and not so numerical or quantitative, right, is to kind of look at the uh, discussion spheres um, look at what's trending, look at the way that things are going viral. That's a more qualitative approach. So for example, you know, being able to kind of make little tweets about we stand Raisa Khan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, make that goes like semi-viral, right? Or make posts about the ecology or make posts about, let's say, Dr. Paul Tambia, right? being a, uh, an epidemiologist and somehow not winning <laughs> a seat, um, making those things go a little bit more viral. That shows, I think for me, that we have a little bit more of an influence on the discussion sphere, right? So we, we get to set a little bit more of the tone. We get to put a little bit of our ideas in there, right? Uh, and shift it a little bit, right? Like we were talking about in the last uh on the TOC talk show, shift it away from a language and logic of pragmatics and economics uh, and towards more, I guess, a, a, a more more lived ideas about, you know, day-to-day experiences of racism, uh, sexism, uh, the more intangible parts of, of life in, in Singaporean society. So that's where we want to move it. And I think seeing that discussion move in the Twitter sphere, in the, uh, in the Instagram sphere, that to me is is the big reassurance of the impact that we're having right so it's it's qualitative you keep using that word qualitative you don't you don't try and measure it systematically beyond metrics in any way we can i mean so so we can look at the at the reports we can look at the quality uh, quantitative numerical reports they're going to tell you engagement is here engagement is there um and that is great right but at the same time uh, those reports do tend to, they don't show you, I think, the full picture. Um, so let's say, you know, if we have like massive engagement, we have, let's say, likes going up, right? Uh, there could be a number of reasons for that. So like when we were on the TOC show, um, we saw PM Lee has a ton of likes, right? So a lot of the PAP MPs have a ton of likes on their page, right? But no engagement. Right. So that's just the numbers and they are telling you, wow, you know, likes are going up. Fantastic. Right. But unless you sit down and sort of interpret the data, you kind of see that, oh, okay, 
it's not so much that they are liking this because they actually like this individual. They are liking it because they know that this individual is so caught up and tied up with the whole structure of what Singapore is that I need to follow them because they are important and newsworthy. So they get knowing, they get very little engagement because nobody really cares. Nobody's really passionate about it. They just, it's like a news site almost. It's like following a, a, a prime minister or public figure. Yeah. And I guess, you know, continuing on this theme mm-hmm. of engagement, who's your audience, right? And this is, I ask this in a sort of um, broader context of Singapore, mm-hmm. where activism seems to be very much the domain of a certain um, upper middle class, English educated, um, and highly educated. I mean, you're doing a master's, I have a PhD. You know, um, and if you got a chance to attend the Activism in Crisis conference over the last few weeks, right, again and again, the people you see, mm-hmm. young, passionate, but also English educated, highly educated university students. Now, historically, of course, that's where activism has always come from. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that's unavoidable. Uh, I think um, people who have uh, more privilege and more education mm-hmm. it's our duty to use it to help make society better mm-hmm. the problem is how do we then connect to people who are not in our same social and economic and educational spheres mm-hmm. and form common cause with them mm-hmm. and especially in a place like Singapore where there is a whole other Chinese speaking sphere who consume very different media who uh, look at the world in a very different way, whose values are in some ways very different, mm-hmm. uh, other ways very similar, of course, but, mm-hmm. you know, and how do we form common cause with that? So coming back to Wake Up Singapore, what, yeah. what's your audience? Do you see yourself being able to reach out beyond, you know, all your content seems to be in English, for example, mm-hmm. right? Um, and one might argue that um, trying to take this more intellectual explanatory bent is going to make it less accessible for people who uh, have whose activism is a lot more rooted in practical issues mm-hmm. um, you know and trying to create this common cause with them uh, you know 50 60 years ago intellectual socialists were able to create common cause because of the labor unions mm-hmm. and their leadership of the labor unions but today we don't have that. So yeah, well, who is your audience and mm-hmm. you know, how do you reach out beyond that? Yeah. So um, our audience, I think right now has moved away from an older crowd, which we were sort of pandering to in the past and towards the younger group right now. I would also say that one of our big commitments also is to not intellectualize too much. So the goal here, right, is to take ideas and make them accessible and make them relevant. So we try and use graphics, we try and use memes, we try and use whatever we can get our hands on to try and make them accessible. So sometimes when we're pushing out uh, content, right, um, and people look at it, uh, the members of the team look at it, right, the the most common uh, feedback we get is, okay, don't intellectualize, that's too much, okay, let's try and bring it down. Is there an easier way that we can explain this, right? and that's one of the things that I'm, I'm very uh, committed to, right? You know, now doing a master's and you look at, uh, and, and, you know, personally, when I look at some of the readings, I just think 
couldn't you have written this in a simpler way? You know, like, <laughs> like um, and I think that's what needs to be done. It needs to be, these ideas are so valuable and they're so powerful and so revolutionary. They need to be just really taken out of that exclusive bubble of the academy and then put out for everybody uh, to access, to use as tools, right? So that's where we want to, that's where we want to, want to bring it to also, you know, in my experience as well, um, there are one of the things that's been very, I think, powerful in the past couple of years, looking at the evolution of social media, especially YouTube, right? Is the rise of channels, uh, YouTube channels and programming that does uh, simplifications of theory, right? So ContraPoints is a very good example. School of Life is another example. Um, these are all uh, sites, Philosophy Tube as well, there's some of that. Um, so these are these are sites that um, and channels that make these difficult ideas very accessible and more than just accessible, it makes it relevant, right? We need to connect the ideas to people's lives. So seeing the, the, seeing the success of those sites, I think is what drives me and drives a lot of our team to try and replicate that success. Um, yeah, so, you know, if we're talking about, let's say patriarchy, we don't want to talk about it in the abstract sense of, patriarchy is a emerges out of the neoliberal hegemony you know we don't want to we don't do that i just want to tell guys right i just want to tell guys hey patriarchy sucks because you 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 know people expect you to be this and that and they expect you to be emotionless and they expect you to um pay for women and be this big macho guy and you just don't have to do any of that right you the all of these social constructs that make your life suck right that make people see you in a certain way that's the patriarchy it it affects you man like i just want to tell people that right and not kind of keep it at this abstract level so yeah <clears throat> and are you going are you going to try and go beyond english because everything i've seen is in english are you going to do chinese or malay you know, and mm. let's not even get started on Tamil, which yeah. is a very complicated language. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that we have any plans for moving out of the English language. And that's just really a matter of circumstances. Just none of us are great at our, our mother tongues. And um, none of us, I, I think also there's not really a market, a substantial market that we can see um, in the other languages. Yeah. But I think the bigger problem is really just that um, we don't have we don't have the capacity to that's that's the big issue here yeah. but some people might say I mean that, that's kind of preaching to the choir because and we, we you know this might I don't know if you address language in your survey which we'll get mm -hmm. to in a second yeah. but uh, um, there there is an impression out there which I guess is not really uh, backed up by, by data at this point although if someone knows of a study but that the English speaking sphere is probably more liberal than the Chinese speaking one mm -hmm. uh, overall because the Chinese speaking one is has greater influence from Chinese propaganda um, and also ha there's a, a historically um, sort of defensive component to Chinese identity in Singapore in the face of English language encroachment mm -hmm. uh, and being an ethnic minority in a uh, you know broader region um, where being Chinese has historically you know there's been riots and a lot of uh, discrimination mm -hmm. um, and so seeing Singapore in a certain way as a as a bastion of 
um, you know, protecting this, uh, f- the freedom to be Chinese in Southeast Asia, you mm-hmm. know, so ideas like that, right, that you see continue to exist to, you know, over the last 50, 60 years. Yeah. Um, so one, one might say, you know, because English also is connected to certain ideas, to Western ideas of freedom that come out of, of the US or Europe, mm-hmm. right, uh, to a broader intellectual discourse that is available. Um, so in, with new narrative citizens agenda survey, our respondents also overwhelmingly answered in English. And um, I, I would hazard a guess that they are a lot more uh, liberal, you know, in the in the sort of open-minded sense of the word. So, um, is there a fear that we're preaching to the choir? I think that there's that's that's definitely not a fear that that I have. I think that um, on one hand, um, the survey data shows us that people really aren't aren't as liberal as we think. Even on our page, they are not as liberal as we think. Uh, and even among individuals who are generally liberal, generally left-leaning, they could still have problematic ideas about gender or about um, you know LGBT issues. So there's so much, I think there's so much room, there's really just so much room for us to work with that. Um, I wouldn't say like, oh, it's, it's an echo chamber at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. So that's not really a, a concern or worry of mine. Yeah. Well, I guess last one before we get to the survey is mm-hmm. that one thing that we can say is that our policymakers work overwhelmingly in English. Mm-hmm. So if you do want to influence that segment, you have to operate in English, I suppose. You know, we don't yeah. see any politicians like they're fluent in Chinese, they're fluent in Malay, they're fluent in Tamil. But... Mm-hmm policy making is done by an English educated English speaking elite mm-hmm. so I suppose in that sense if we're trying to influence overall policy and values particularly among the people who are actually making these big decisions in an authoritarian state mm-hmm. English is the right way to go yeah unfortunately <laughs> I guess yeah there yeah. are pragmatic reasons for it as well Our thanks to Sean for joining us on this week's episode of Political Agenda. Do check out Wake Up Singapore on their Facebook page, Instagram and website. Links in the show notes. Part 2 of this interview will continue next week. Also, be sure to tune in to Southeast Asia Dispatches, our fortnightly podcast series bringing you news, interviews and commentary from around Southeast Asia. This is PJ wishing all our listeners a great week ahead.